Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strebel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. All right, the next thing is, here's another first, you know, that I've got to take into my life. Realizing that Christ's life sets a picture that first things must be first. So then I just find in the Bible what, what he recommends to be first. So the next thing is, Christ says that before I find fault with others, I must first of all examine my own self. In other words, uh, first of all, in front of all, and superior to all, and overall, before I examine someone else, or judge someone else, I must examine my own self. And I say that in Matthew 7, 5. Christ said it before I find fault with others, I must first of all, in front of all, superior to all, and above all, examine my own self. Matthew 7, 5. Would you read that? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam of thine own eye, then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. And see that, if that is first in my life, that stops me from examining the other man too much because I have a full time, you know, keep my own self right. Would that be right? That's the first. First thing first. Redeem the time because the days are evil. The next thing, turn turn this into, into Mark 9, 9.59. There's some disciples that here telling Christ, but I want to follow him, but they're saying, first, let me do something. Now, Christ, I don't think, is going to use the word first. He's going to show them that if you're going to be my disciple, you must let me first. Luke 9, 57 through 62. Well, look at 59. They said unto him, said unto Another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go bury go and bury father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead hear their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. What this is saying to me is just simply a picture of, you know, first thing, first thing first. What did verse 61 say? And another said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go and farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man had to put his hand to the plow and look at the second fifth of the kingdom of God. First things first. Christ says that the first objective for the church is to preach the gospel to all nations regardless of cause. Mark 13, 10. See if I got that right. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. Read that first out of book that. Take heed to yourself, for they shall deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogues, and you shall be beaten, and you shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. If someone asks me what is what is the first what did Christ make the first objective for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? I would say to preach the gospel to all the world. That's first. That's in that life. First object of the church. 
The first object of the church is not to do benevolent deeds, kind acts. That's secondary. That follows up. Goes along. And he went about doing good. We studied that. And he healed the people. But, but while he is doing that, that is all, that is always secondary. What he is doing first of all was preaching the gospel. And as he went along, he healed. And as he done that, he, he showed the people who he was by the miracles that he performed. We studied that one time. But we see, we can see him seeing that in Brother Lee's sermon. You know, how far away we, we are from the redeeming the time about this. You, you said that since you've been sitting there. How, and that's a true statement. The, the, the objective is, is to preach the gospel, get the gospel out, talk about Jesus, spread the word, tell of his goodness. And as we go, do good. Show who we are by what. I don't know what we say, but if we say that Christ is merciful, then I ought to be merciful. If I say he's one of his great attributes is love, I should try to show my love. If it's mercy, if it's kindness, or whatever it is, as I go. But the first objective is to preach the gospel to the world, according to that statement. First, that's the first. So we see that now in the life of Christ, that he made that first. He come preaching, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he went about in their cities and villages doing good healing. How did you word that about that this is the first thing of the church? Of the church? I, I said, Christ says that the first objective for the church is to preach the gospel to all nations regardless of the cost. The verse right above that right after indicates it'll, it'll, it'll be a, uh, not easy to do that. But regardless of what it costs, I expect that to be done first. And that's the way we begin to seek the kingdom of heaven first is through trying to spread the gospel to every creature. Would that be right? Or seemingly, if we, of course, if you, if you didn't interpret those scriptures like that, why? All right, now that's about the church. Now this next statement will have to do with my, with me as a church goer. Now, Christ says that in our Christian life, the first thing to be beware of is play acting. We'll read that. That's in Luke 12:1. First thing he tells me to be aware of is hypocrisy, the leaven of the Pharisee, which is playing house for God or are not a real reality. He said that's the first thing you be aware of for yourself and, and that which you do and participate in. Read Luke, that. Twelve one. Yeah. Luke twelve one. In the meantime, um, there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they strove one upon another. He began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. That, that, that verse at least said the first thing, or Jesus Christ, his opening statement, and his warning was that you be beware of that. In other words, you be sure that your Christian activity is real and not playhouse or counterfeit and because he said the Pharisees is, is not they say and don't do they're interested in what people can see of them and how people judge them in other words here's what I say a person that can go to church on Sunday morning and come home and lay down on their couch every Sunday evening or look at TV and just lay around 
You're playing half for God. That's what I say. I should beware of that. We've got to find some way to apply it down to my... Why would that be in my day? To go hear a sermon, would you say you heard the sermon Sunday? Uh, I never think about it anymore. I never mention it anymore. It does nothing for my life. That's play acting. That's playing. Playing. I'm going, but I'm playing. It's like a little child building a playhouse and cooking mud, mud pie. And that's playing. Well, and as far as reality is concerned, whether Pharisees knew it or not, they were playing. Yeah, that's being a Pharisee. That's playing. But Christ said, first, my open statement is to you, first of all, is that you beware of that. Christ tells us that we should first count the cost before we make our commitment. Luke 14, verse 28, verse 31. 28, through 31 or 28. Oh, just 28 and 31, just in two verses. So which of you intending to build a tower, put it not down first and count it the cost? Whether he has sufficient to finish it. Now, see what he's saying? He's saying, first of all, in front of all, superior to all, and overall, you must count that call. Don't say nothing that you won't do. Don't say nothing that you can't follow through on. Don't say nothing that you can't see the end result. What was that? We must count, we must count the cost before we make a commitment. Christ tells us that we should first count the cost before we make our commitment. In other words, for me to commit to do something and I find out I can't finish it up, that's not letting first things be first. Uh, Christ said, but the first thing in, in making commitments and first the first thing in making efforts, the first thing in having objectives, the first thing in telling about your objective, the first thing is that you count the cost. That's the first I believe myself that all the Bible will bear out the fact that Christ Jesus counted the cost before he left heaven. And it was going to cost him his death, and he knew it. But he he said, I'll see it through. I've I got enough love to see it through. And that's like me saying, well, I know now that I should do that, and I may do it. And I'll go at it about two days, and it cost me something, and I quit. Christ said, the first thing to do is to count the cost. And if you, then if you apply the wax, you can see it through and determine. In other words, he said, if that objective is great enough to demand your whole hard obedience, well, you start. But first, you be sure that it's that, that, that great. Now, the objective that Christ had was great enough to demand his wholehearted obedience to God to die for our sins. Well, a church can be powerful if there's objectives in there great enough to demand that for us. So if there ain't no objective, why? We don't know really what we're doing. All right, there's one more that I thought we'd go through. Christ tells us that in his kingdom it is first suffering and then glory. And we don't nobody like that, but it's the way it is. That's why he tells us that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. There's nowhere in God's holy writ that the church of God is promised victory without some suffering, encountering the enemy without battling. So 
I'm just relating that to Christ on life. And so that's found in Luke 17, verse 24 and 25. Read that, Brother James. For as the lightning delighteth out of the one part unto heaven, shineth unto the other part unto heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. In his day, in the future, I would say. But first must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. Before he enters into that glory, before the glorious day comes, there's another place in the Bible where Christ asked the question, should, should not Christ suffer before any of the glory come to that extent? But it's over and over. You, you can just go through the, the, the four gospels and get that idea about Christ and life itself. Before, the, before there can be the glory, before there can be finality, before we can enter, enter our rest, before we have, could be with him forever, there had to be some suffering, and then there is glory. And the first thing that happened to the church before it got out, it had to go through some suffering. God let Paul, you know, bring a bloody persecution upon him. And then in uh, Acts, uh, I mean, First Peter, they, all these alleged are scattered out, and they're going through the trial, you know, and their their faith is going to be purged, and it's going to be good for them. And the kingdom of God has shown the brightest when it was suffering when it was going through trials, when it, when their faith was being tested. And when, when this day comes, as Brother Lee talked about Sunday and Sunday night, that won't be a day to do away with the church. That'll be the first time it will shine bright again. It may be in a cellar, in a cave, or in a mountain, fleeing. But when it comes together, it won't be playing house for God. He can pray for the first time because they'll be expecting their life to be took away that night if you don't protect us, oh God. But that'd be some kind of praying, you know. It'd be earth-moving. And I'll tell you what, when that day comes, the Christians will have gained such strength and desire such fellowship until they'll stand out in the cold to hear some man talk about Jesus. That'll be for the first time. Until that day comes, and the lukewarmness and the easy way of life we know about, we'll, you know, if everything's just not right, where we've got air conditioning, it'll be too... It'll be two degrees too hot for some and two degrees too cold for others. And uh, did, did you get too cold today? That's the way it is now. But the admonition is, that's not letting first things be first. Beware that you do not play house for God. Beware that you make the kingdom of God first in your life. Beware that you examine yourself first before you examine anyone else. Beware that you talk with your children about me first. Now I'm going to read that and we're going to close. Deuteronomy 6, this is just where it's inferred now. And so I'm asking you, you women now, I've got the children. I'm asking y'all, will we be planning something this winter that we can do for our children next summer when they're out of school, letting the first things be first? Will we have them together every week? Will we have a worthy, God-honoring program for them that's, that's Christ-centered? Will we do that? Or will we say that we know we ought to do that and do nothing? Which way will we do? Well, right here is what he'd have us do in the home and, and in that. What I'd like to do myself, you know, this brother...
I don't. Do you know uh, Robert Green down at, at Lear's Brother Guess right now? Well, he uh, apparently has a great zeal for God. He was in our Monday night service a week ago. He got the flu now. He wasn't here last night. But I'd love to challenge him with that to come. And He's an artist. He could just draw a picture up there and, and relate that to the Bible and talk to the children. He knows music. He can teach them songs. And if, if we what we ought to be and we are going to have objectives that's right with the Lord and let first things be first, we can have a, the best summer for our children we've ever had if we want it, or we can, we cannot. But, but here's what God wants. We've all read this. But here, here, uh, the, the, the word first is just implied. It says, Deuteronomy 6, 3, Hear therefore, O Israel, and I say first, that's implied there. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it. Do it first, we're going to say that it may be well with thee, and that you may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy Father has promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That's the first thing that he wanted to hear and acknowledge. The next thing is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thine soul, and with all thy might. That's the first. That's and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart, that is, keep them. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt talk with them when thou sittest in thy house. That will be, you talk about the commandments first. And when thou walkest by the way, talk about the commandments first. And when thou liest down, talk about the commandments first. And when thou risest up, talk about the commandments first. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be in frontlet between thine eyes. That is, keep the commandments out before your children. Thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gate. All these things, the word first, not in any of them, but it's implied that this is what God expects of mom and daddy in Israel a long time ago. This must be first. And if you will let that be first, I will guarantee you success. Isn't that wonderful? He says, first of all, in front of all, superior to all, and over all, must be that the Lord is one God, and you should love Him the way I tell you to, and you shall keep the commandments ever before your children. Well, we may not know how to do it, and I didn't do it. But uh, you could never make me believe that if I could, could get my children up and get them off to school and talk about the schoolwork after they come in, and I seen if they went to school whether they wanted to or not, I seen if they studied their lesson some whether they wanted to or not, I even made them study sometime when they got mad at me. Well, if I can do that in that line, don't tell me that I couldn't make them listen. Jesus, God, is not saying here how, how they responded or whether they was always gleeful about it. You just see that you do that. That must be first. Well, that's all out there before us if we're going to redeem the time today for evil. And remember now what we've done today. We glean from the life of Christ. If I'm going to be, you know, for, for me to grow in my life, then I have to have some objective 
They must be powerful, and they must be uh, great enough in my life. And I make the commitment that I see them through, and I shouldn't start them if I'm not going to see them through. And I should labor for first things to be first uh, in my life. And it all started with Jesus Christ when he started his ministry, that he didn't do the second thing first. He began at the first step of fulfilling all righteousness and going to John to be baptized. I want to commend y'all for being faithful to to these services and other services in y'all's life. It's been customary a lot of times that we'll start something and then we'll quit. A lot of times people say, well, you know, women meet together. I say, well, they'll meet together and they'll get off into a gossip session and and uh, and just end up with just a, a bunch of worldly talk. See, we hadn't done that. We hadn't permitted ourselves to do that. We have really uh, stood the word of the Lord and, and tried to, you know, and it's bettered our lives, I think. I believe all of our lives grows along the way as we go to church and, and as we come and study and talk and tell our experiences. We have not let it get off into some kind of a worldly thing. Have we? We haven't done that. So I, I just thank y'all for that and, and, and your faithfulness and, and what y'all are doing with your children and trying to develop our lives. So the next lesson we have will be revolving around a gleam from the life of Christ. Reading something he said, how he reacted to men or what he told and and in that, get some examples that we can apply to our lives. And we know just what we've seen today. One of the things was about when we studied evangelism, we know that we we believe we're right because we've seen today that the main, uh, the first, the first objective of the church was to preach to all nations. Wasn't that what he said? And and you will go through some trouble probably while you while you do that. Brother James Brown said he preached along this line Sunday. You don't tell us what you said now. Well, I was challenging the church to uh, view their own activity as a church and as an individual and then put that up beside of what they would read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the Acts of the Apostles and compare the two and see what kind of view they would get. And I assured them that they would see a vast difference in what they found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the Acts than the view we get today of the church, that there'd be no comparison. That's basically, I wouldn't try to go through it all, but that's basically what I preached on Sunday. Uh, I want to ask you women out this question, and, you know, and you've got about five more minutes, but you can, you, you don't get behind now, you can go on, I'll leave Billy and Carol can answer this. But here's the question, do y'all think, do y'all believe that preachers should just ever be busy about this, you know, like when they come into your home, uh, should they really just have something, you know, you know, to talk about and to instruct about and and the and the homeless didn't want that, just that they know that you live that kind of life and they just tell you they didn't want you or in other words, uh let's just say I I went to Sharon's house and I knew before I got there kind of you know, what I was going to talk about, it'd be something to help our children, and it'd be something to tell, to tell Sharon, now, this is the way you ought to do, this is the way we must do, and I'll help you to do that. And and so will you start that? Do y'all, do y'all think that a, that a preacher's life should, should be that way, or how, 
How do y'all feel about that? You want to answer first? I'm just saying, let's just say I come to visit your house. And uh, let's say it's you just, you, you, we'll just say it's you don't mention the Lord, and I stay there a little while, I talk generally. I'm, I'm saying instead of that, should I come in there and I say, now, Carol, uh, I've just been studying something here about the life of Christ and his examples, and let me show you this now. How, how you can go about this and help your life and help the life of your children. And I just lead you into that. And, and, and we, and you, and you listen. We talk a while and, and I say, now Carol, I want you to, to do that. And the next time or I see you, let's talk about, about that, how you're going about it and how, what the result is. And, uh, if you need me anyway, well, I'll be back. Do you think that we should, that preachers should be working into something like that or, or not. That's what I'm saying. Well, I, I would think it would be good for them to do that because it would benefit us and it would be to the glory of God. So I wouldn't say anything wrong with it. Well, if he's not going to do that way, then there's not much else. He's just another old Joe well, passing through the country. Words, I'd rather him do that is to come in and just start talking about worldly things. Well, it's kind of like though you say the church was a, a clinic. And these people were coming to the, this clinic. And there's a doctor there, and he's over the clinic. Well, they're coming there for a reason. They've got some kind of sickness or something. They're coming. Well, now, any doctor who's the head of a clinic, if he knows a person has got a severe illness, or if he knows a, a certain method of curing something, he's going to tell that person how to cure it. And he's going to tell them about it. Well, like, for example, if somebody's got a sore foot, the doctor's going to tell him, to, well, you know, you're supposed to soak that foot in a certain kind of medicine, and he's going to tell him what to do for that certain ailment. And so I believe, like the preacher is too, should do that too. And if there's someone who is coming to the clinic who isn't sick, who doesn't want to be healed, then they ought to get out. I believe, I think that it should be, if, if you're going to hurt somebody's feelings and call them not to come back to church, what you just said to Carol, then, then they shouldn't be there anyway. I don't think we ought to go around tiptoeing and not hurting and you know, afraid you're going to drive somebody from, keep somebody from getting saved more or less. Um, you know what I mean? I think that um, there's a reason for, for preachers to be here in the world, and it's not to, to sugarcoat everything and to pacify the people. I believe that they're here to teach those people who are hungry and thirsty after knowledge. And I think if this happens like in Carol's house, if you come there, and that she knows you are coming. I know whoever you go to know you're coming and know what you're going to talk about and all this. Then our children will know what to expect from the preacher. And they'll, our children won't be embarrassed when the preacher comes. They'll know that's a time to ask questions and a time to, uh, to study and learn about the Word of God. And it won't be like, oh, no, he's coming. Let's all sit over in the corner and maybe he won't mention the Bible. Maybe, maybe he won't mention it. You know, we just get by this visit without even saying nothing about it. And eventually, the way I see it is those people who don't want you in the house ought to say, well, we just won't go back to church no more and he'll get the hand. You know, or something like that. I believe that. I believe the same as me. I'm saying in my opinion. What do you think, Ben? I think you ought to be bold. You go in, just come, just like you're the doctor, just like she said. You ought to just open it up and, and take off with you. And that fella got, didn't want it, just let him sit over there and suck. That's right. Exactly. I believe that too. What do you think, brother? 
Maybe. Well, when are we gonna start? Right away and let the first thing be first. Uh, ever ever thing at pointing to the work of a preacher points to the fact that he is a minister. He is to minister. If he don't do that, he is another old Joe come by to say good morning. That's right, and then people make fun. In other words, you never you never call a doctor to your home, your family physician without but he wouldn't come there. He'd come there with one thing in mind, and that was to be to minister to you. And you'd be expecting him to minister. Well, if, if us preachers can live a life now long enough for the people of knowing that when I come, I'll be coming to minister. That don't mean I'm not going to say good morning and how you get along. Well, doctor said that too. But, but son, yeah, he'll, doctor said good morning, how you doing? Well, he knows you're sick. The very fact that he's there. He's expecting you to tell him your trouble. Well, when a preacher goes into to, to his flock in their home, sometime while he is there, if he's going to let first thing be first, he's going to have to minister some way or another. If he just has to bring it up after Claire Blue, I've been studying this now. I know this will be it's good for me and be good for you, and let's discuss this a little bit. It'll be good for your children. I'd like to help you a little bit. And so when that gets to be a way of life, uh, then we'll be uh, returning back to old-time religion again. That's right. Well, people don't go to the clinic and sit for an hour and a half. Oh, for just the, they don't go to the clinic and sit Thank you. There's a reason for going to the clinic. That's right. So that's, 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 that's first things first. Christ would do that. There's no doubt about that. And so we just saw. Uh, these, these lessons gleaned from Christ will be a tremendous help Oh. Uh, in our lives, if we can just take some of them and, and let them become more and more reality in their, in their own lives. Well, just miss them, brother. Our Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the safety of each one that met here today. We ask you for the safety of their return. As we return, Father, into our daily activities, may our hearts be centered to putting first things first, putting you superior and above and front of all things. We just thank the Lord for the Word of God. Thank you for the life of Jesus Christ. May be shine forth now for some 2,000 years and shall shine forth until the brightness of His coming the second time. Thank you, Lord, for each other. Thank you for these young women that would want to learn more about the Word of God and to help more Christianity in their home. We look forward to Heavenly Father, to meeting thee someday, but now we know we can know you better through the Scripture, through activities with you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, good. How are you doing today? Good evening. We'll see you later. Lord, will be careful, Billy, now. Don't, don't get no rush, Billy. I'm not going to rush. Remember, now, you don't have to. That's not that first thing me first. You get in a rush. I can't rush. <laughs> We'll see you soon. Stop by for too long. Talk with me. The children's been good today. And that just amazed me because you, know, you can tell the stranger you don't know. You sure don't. What the reaction's going to be on anything. That is first thing first right there, Carol. That was, you know, when we have them opportunities that we ought to make that a first to try to break into a conversation. You're getting good at that, ain't you? Yeah.
Well, I tell you, them colored people love the Lord. They'll talk with you about the Lord. Yeah, they do. I know the thing. Bet you free and just you happy and jolly. Before you had that experience with the Lord, did you just kind of sit there like, you know, and just, yeah. I mean, I ready to get on out. And oh, yeah, I just want to push the hurry up and get to it so I can get out, you know. But now I wish I'd stay longer. <laughs> just keep on pushing. Uh, I'll tell you, the Lord. That's a blessing. Oh, yeah. It, it, it just takes the Lord to do that, you know. We'd like to do that for everybody. We ought to talk to them about the Lord, but they... There's something the Lord got to do in there some way. The, the Lord has got to do something. He's got to do it, hasn't he? Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.